children will be dismissing as we uh, ha have our two different classes. The nursery is always available in the very uh, back here. And we have our older children going up front with Miss Tori. And then we'll be taking our Bibles and flipping over to the book of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5 in your Bibles. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do something today that, that I think would be very important for us. And, and I, I want you to, as we go through these scriptures, I, I want you to, this is, this is very important for this. I really want you to consider what the scripture is saying and ask yourself in your own heart, is this talking about me? And, and what we're going to talk about is something that, that I'm a little bit afraid of in the sense that... Um, Christians many times get accused of a lot of things. You know, we get called a lot of names. Um, and I'm afraid this is sometimes one of the ones that's accurate. And I, I feel like this is one of the accusations that when we hear this, it's like, you know, yeah, we might get upset. Oh, oh that's not true. Well, well, maybe in some individual cases it is because Jesus is calling out religious people on this thing. Many, many years ago, there was a group of people, and you guys have probably heard this term. They were called the Pharisees. And I've actually tried to figure this out, I, and I can't. Um, maybe I just need to do some more digging. But I've been trying to figure out where the Pharisees came from. And, and if some of you have some historical insight on that, help me, because I'd really like to know. But here's why I say that. If you go to the Old Testament, you have the temple, and then you have the priests that served in the temple. Then you had the high priest, who was the high priest over all Israel. And then you go through this, this silent period of several hundred years where God specifically didn't speak or give any new instruction. Man, then Jesus shows up. And when you get to the Gospels, all of a sudden you have this group of people you've never heard of before called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these guys, they were very, very religious. And by the way, they were very, very smart, very intellectual. They knew the Old Testament law like inside out and backwards. They, they had it, man. And they were guys that served in what was called the synagogue, which was like a, um, almost like a sub-building of, of the main temple where people could go and worship in their local town, that kind of stuff. Anyway, you had the Pharisees that would spend a lot of time in there, and they wanted to follow the law so much, they actually divided the law out a lot of different ways. For an example, um, you guys know this. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It says six days you do your work, and on the seventh day you remember the Sabbath day. That's your day of rest, just like Jesus rested. Okay, got it. That was, that was the law. Now, here's what the Pharisees did. They said, okay, what is work and what isn't work? It's like, come on, man. And, but really, that's the way they thought. And they, they had this thing down to a T. They said, all right, if, you're, if you have to walk anywhere, if I remember this is the number, they would say, you can walk two-thirds of a mile, but you can't walk a whole mile. Because once you've walked a whole mile, you have now worked. And now you're breaking God's law. It's like, okay, really? I mean, I get it. You're, you're following the law. The Bible says you're not supposed to work. But now you're, you're making this harder than God meant for it to be. See what I'm saying? That they are taking things in the scripture and making it even harder to follow than God ever did. There was even a time that the disciples and Jesus, when they were walking, this is in the book of, um, is it John? Anyway, it's in the Gospels. 
that the, the Lord and the disciples are walking and they started to get hungry and they just happened to be walking through a field and they picked out, uh, they're walking through, I think it was a cornfield. And they, and they picked some corn and they, they, started, they started eating. And man, the Pharisees were like, oh, you guys, you did work. You harvested a crop. You're working. And the Lord's like, no. They, they were accusing Jesus of breaking his own law. No, he was just, he was eating, right? So what's happening? The Pharisees put more on the law than Jesus ever intended. So here's, here's a word I'm going to give you for that. And this is what I'm afraid, this is what I'm afraid maybe some of us fall into. And we don't intend to. We probably have good intentions. But I want us to really examine what is our righteousness. Have you ever been accused of being self-righteous? Oh, that guy, he's just, he just, you know, he's self-righteous. He thinks he's just, he just thinks he's the best. He's, he's a goody goody and he's this and he's this right now let me ask you are we supposed to do right yeah supposed to follow the bible yeah do we ever do that for our own pride and our own benefit now maybe this is what i'm curious about if maybe sometimes christians don't get fingers pointed at them and maybe sometimes they're right have you ever met someone they they do what's right just because it makes them look good. I guess maybe that's what I'm getting at. Someone says, oh, man, and, and they'll say, oh, don't, don't you know that I, I'm a Christian? Man, how, how, how dare you talk about me that way? How dare you think that I would ever sin? I, I'm a Christian. And they do that just to say, hey, look how good I am. Folks, I, I want us to think about this this way. Think about it as, as children, and I do this all the time because I'm a dad. And, but when you think about kids, let's say I've got one of my sons. And it's, it's my son's birthday, and I want to do something really good for my son. So what do I do? I go to the store. I get him some kind of a present. And, uh, man, I give it to him. We have a big party, and he opens his present. Now, what would you think if that son that just opened his birthday present now started looking at his other brothers and says, Oh, man, look how good I am because Dad gave me a present. Man, Dad must really love me. I'm the best son. Look at how much stuff I got. It's like... Come on, man. No, that's, that's not, you're missing the point. The point of you getting a present just because we love you, it doesn't make you better than any of your brothers. But man, how much do we say, boy, look how much my father loves me and makes me better than everyone else. Whoa. That, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And that was the trap the Pharisees fell into. They thought they were so much better they thought they had everything figured out. And man, they had the law down to even, even things extra that God never said. And they were so deep into that stuff that when God himself showed up, they didn't even know it was him. Think about that for a minute. They were so concerned with, with their self-righteousness that when God himself showed up, they didn't even know it was him. In fact, they hated him. And they're some of the ones that ended up putting him on the cross. So folks, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want us to fall into the same trap. And I want to show you something that Jesus said about this. We're still continuing Matthew chapter 5. We're talking about kingdom living. Remember how we said that we are citizens of God's kingdom? And that's what we are before we are anything. So living in this world today, I ought to bring that culture of God's kingdom to the world around me. And this is one of the ways we need to properly do that. We've just finished the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. 
Last week, we talked about how we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be salty. You know, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be like a candle in the dark. Now, I want to talk about how we do these works and do them properly. And let's be careful about having the right kind of righteousness. Yes, we need to be righteous. But we need the right kind of righteousness. Let's talk about it. So let's go to our Bibles. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 17. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 17. And then again, this is Jesus. He's still continuing his sermon. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For verily I say unto you, now watch this, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. See, this is, this is what was kind of confusing. If there was anybody that was righteous, man, it was the Pharisees. And now Jesus is telling me I've got to be better than they are? How does that work? Because, man, they were, they were the guys that lived in the, tab- the, the synagogues, man. They were the guys that knew the Bible and taught the Bible. How am I supposed to be better than they are? because the Pharisees didn't have the right kind of righteousness. They had it mixed up. So we want to talk about how we do it right today. What we're going to do is I'm going to answer three questions. We're going to talk about Jesus and what he did as it relates to the law and how that affects us. We're going to talk about how we're supposed to view the law and what, how we're kind of supposed to obey these things. And then we're also going to talk about how you act on them. Okay. Um, so number one, and this is going to be our first question if you're taking notes. The first question I'm going to ask is this. How do I deal with all the details in the law? How do, how do I deal with those? Um, and this is what I'm getting at. The Pharisees, remember I said how they made things very, very detailed? I want to present, present this idea to you. I remember when I was in uh, driver's training, uh, I, had, I, had a very, I, mean, I had a very practical instructor. I ran around in the car with him for you know, several days. And he had a lot of life lessons that he taught us in the car too, which I thought was great. Uh, he always just say, boys, just keep it between the ditches, right? <laughs> so me and my buddy were riding down the road, keep it between the ditches. And the idea of there being a ditch on both sides of the street. Folks, if God says I'm supposed to be here, that means it's wrong for me to be over here, and it's wrong for me to be over here. You, you see what I'm saying? So, for example, let's say the law is right here. This is where God wants me to be. Man, right down the middle. If I am a lost man who cares nothing about what the Bible says, I'm going to be looking at right from this view. I'm going to say, man, that's just too much. I can't do that. I can't obey all those rules. I am never going to measure up to God. Okay? That's what the lost man is going to say because he's looking this direction. What about the Pharisees? They went farther than God did. And they even went back and were looking at God himself saying he's not good enough. They were saying, they were looking at God himself. They were looking at Jesus saying, he's not good enough. Why? Because there's a ditch on both sides of the street, man. And while we understand this one, we understand we need to measure up to God. 
But the Pharisees were so self-righteous in themselves, they were saying that even Jesus wasn't good enough. Boy, that's a problem. And we don't talk about this one very much, but this is what he's getting at. So what does Jesus say when he begins to talk about the law? Because that's, that's what he's referring to. You go back to the Old Testament and you look at the law. Man, the law was already hard enough. It talked about how, man, you have to cut your hair this way. You have to look this way. You have to do these certain things on these certain days. And you have to have these certain feasts. And when you have these feasts, you have to cook certain food. And you have to cook this certain food this certain way. All these minuscule details of life. How is a guy ever supposed to obey all those things? Now, it's not that they weren't important. They were. But the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ. The point being, godly perfection is impossible. And it shows you that only through Christ can you ever achieve that perfection. That's the point. So, what did Jesus do? When he showed up, you have all the self-righteous guys going, Oh, he's not good enough. He's, man, he's working on a Sabbath. Did you see him pick that food and eat it? Did you see that, man, they, they were even walking more than a mile on the, on the, on the Sabbath day. They're, they're breaking our law. No, they were breaking the self-righteous Pharisees' laws. That's why they were so upset. So I want to tell you this. Don't ever, ever, ever let anyone tell you that Jesus came to show people the law was wrong. That is something that I have read in certain ministries, doctrinal statements, and that, that got me a little hot under the collar. They said, oh, Jesus showed up to disrupt, disrupt the, the common order of religion. Okay, fine. That's just because they were more self-righteous than they were supposed to be. Look what Jesus said himself about the law. Verse number 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Man, Jesus himself said it right there. Man, people, I, I heard it once said, oh, Jesus was a rebel. That, that's tough. I, 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 don't, I don't like that. Our God was not a re rebel. The Bible says that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. My God was not a rebel. He just looked like one from the self-righteous people, okay? What Jesus said was, I am not here to destroy the law. I am come to fulfill the law. Folks, let me tell you something about Jesus. Did you know that Jesus Christ, as a man, when he was born, he was the only man to ever obey every single law from the book of Genesis through the book of Deuteronomy, those first five books. He was the only person to ever obey all of those laws perfectly and never once messed up. The only one. That's why he said, I am not come to destroy the law. I'm come to fulfill it. I am come to show you that a man himself, while he was, yes, he was God, but I am come to show you that this is what perfection is, and he lived it. But that's why the self-righteous people said, oh, you're just not as good as we are, because they went, they went too far. So we learned, number one, that Christ fulfilled the law with these details. And here's the thing interesting, too. We now ask ourselves today, and I hope this helps you some, we ask ourselves today, do I still have to obey the Old Testament law? Hmm. That's, that's, that's a question, believe it or not, a lot of people get hung up on. They say, oh, do I still have to do everything the Old Testament people did? Ladies and gentlemen, first thing I want to show you is this. The Old Testament law, that was both a moral law and a judicial law. Just, just like Montana, we have a set of books. If you look at all the books, they're like this thick. I mean, huge. That is called our Montana Code. That is our judicial law. 
That's what the book, of, the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible were meant to be that for the nation of Israel. So I'm not an Israelite. Notice what Jesus said, though, about this. I'm going to go to verse number 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Till all be fulfilled. What did verse 17 just say? Back up a little bit. I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. So what did Jesus do when he was born? He lived it perfectly, and then he died. You know what Jesus did? He fulfilled the law. Now, the law has not passed in the sense of it's not gone. We still have it, and we still learn many things from it. However, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled the law's demands. What did the Old Testament law demand? Blood sacrifice. The Old Testament required that lambs be taken to the temple and blood be spilled on the mercy seat and that that would forgive the sins and cover the nation of Israel. But when Jesus came and died, man, he fulfilled it. The, everything the law demanded of mankind, Jesus did it. Now you don't have to because you can't. It's impossible. When Christ delivered his blood on the mercy seat before God the Father in heaven, the law's demands were fulfilled. And now we have what some people call the new covenant, that new covenant in Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't follow the Jewish Old Testament law. I can't. In fact, I'm not even a Jew. But man, I've got Jesus Christ's blood behind me. And that's what makes me righteous in the eyes of God. So what did Jesus do? He did not come to destroy the law. Never, ever let anyone tell you, oh, Christ was a rebel and he rebelled against the Old Testament law. No, he didn't. He followed every single bit of it to a T for you. And he died for you. So what does that mean? How am, how am I supposed to deal with the details of the law? Here's, here's how we look at it. When I see the Old Testament law, I have, to, I have to separate two things. I have to separate what's being said judicially, because I'm, I'm not part of that judicial system, versus what it says morally, because the Bible also says that God never changes. Let me show you what that looks like. In the Old Testament, there was a system put in place, I believe, and I've talked about this before, just because it's so unique. Um, they called him, the, I think it's the revenger of blood. And the idea of this guy was this. If there was someone, like let's say, your, let's say your brother got into a fight with somebody right out here on McLeod Street. And man, they, they were just getting angry at one another, and boy, they got into a fist fight. And then your brother, in the middle of that fight, he fell over, he knocked his head on the pavement, and he bled to death. Right, he died. Now, the Bible says there was this guy called the Revenger of Blood, which would have been you as his next of kin. It was your legal right to go get your sword and hunt that guy down. That's, that's, that's a, a different way of thinking, isn't it? Now, do I have that legal right today? No. But you know what I do learn? God's against murder, and God's okay with capital punishment. See how that works? The details of the law, I am not held accountable to the way the judicial system works, but the morality of it sticks. How about this one? Um, the Bible talks about how the Jews were supposed to dress, 
uh, how they were supposed to cut their hair, how men were supposed to uh, even shave their beards. Their beards were actually a very important Jewish symbol. That, that's an incredible study in and of itself. So there's this, and I've, I've used this one. There's a portion of the Old Testament that says uh, the men were not supposed to shave the corners of their beards. I, I don't know what the corner of my beard is, okay? I, I'm, I'm not a Jew. It, I, I know right angles and 90 degrees, and I, I know where a corner is, but if you're talking about a beard, I, I, don't, I don't know. Now, I will tell you this, though. I look at the detail of that law, and while I don't understand it, and while that does not necessarily apply to me specifically, I'll tell you what I can learn from it. You know what? God wants Christians, he wants his people to stand out from the rest of the world. See how that works? The, the specific detail I might not be held accountable to that, but the Bible says that my God's the same yesterday, today, and to forever. And there's some way that I can apply that to the way that I live out today. So we have to judge the morality of it and not necessarily the details of it. So when, when we get hung up on all the, the Old Testament law stuff, no, I don't take a lamb. I don't kill that lamb at the altar at church. But I do believe blood needs to be shed, and Jesus did that for me. So, th so there's still something that's useful for us. So while we're not held to the system, we're still held to its, its morality and what God thinks, okay? So that's what we do with the details. Now, let's continue on. How then now do I perceive Jesus' teachings? What do I, what do, I do with, um, what, what, with the way God kind of, kind of changed things? Let's go to verse number 19. Because we're, we're, I want us to go through this. 17 and 18 talked about how Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law's demands for you. All right, now what does Jesus himself say about the law? Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, we're still talking about the kingdom, right? But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All right. Now, if a man takes the, even the simplest minute of God's commands and he says, hey, it's okay for you to not do this command. The Bible says in the kingdom of heaven, he's, he's going to be the least. He hasn't upheld the things that God has taught and the way God believes or the way God has, has told us to live. However, conversely, or uh, on the other hand, if a man says, hey, this is God's law and you need to obey this and you need to live it out. Bible says he's going to be great. All right, so how do, I, how do I view that today? We have a habit of thinking this, and this again goes back to our self-righteousness. We have a habit of thinking that um, some sins are great and some sins are small, right? I mean, what we talk about the little white lie. Oh, that wasn't a big deal. That was just, that was just a little thing, right? It wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't, I didn't do anything egregious. Ah, that's never going to hurt anyone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says right here in verse number 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments, the least commandments, and shall teach men to do so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. If it is a command of God, I have no right to say, oh, that's, that's really not that big of a deal. Now, I will say this, and this is important. Different commands carry different consequences, okay? That doesn't mean that it's still not wrong to break it. You break the law, you break the law. The law is the law, period. Either you're going to obey the law or you're going to break it. They are across the board the law, 
talking about God, what God wants us to do, and even for us today, judicially. So if I say, for example, you, we have laws that we obey uh, here in Montana. And let's say it's even a little law. Like, oh, man, you know, I, was, I, I just got a speeding ticket the other day. Okay. You know, we might say that's, that's a little thing. No, sure, it's a little thing, but the law was still broken, right? I mean, ultimately, that's what it is. The law is still broken. Whether you murder someone or whether you just break the speed, the law is the law. Now, it's, it's almost like we would say this, and this is a joke. Uh, maybe the Bible says, hey, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, I beat the tar out of him, but I didn't kill him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just left him laying in the ditch. He was okay three weeks later, but I didn't kill him. Okay. But, now, that's silly, but that's the way we think. Well, we think, hey, as long as I can just get really close to the line, as long as I don't cross it, I'm good. Okay. You know, now, now we're, starting to, we're starting to nitpick what God has just already laid out. This is the way you're supposed to live. At the end of the day, folks, the Bible says we call it little, but the Bible says if we make little of even the little laws, then we're going to be least in God's kingdom. So here's what my job is to do. Everything that's in the scripture, whether I think it's big or whether I think it's small, I need to hold to that as best as I possibly can. Now, again, remember how we said judicially there's things in the Old Testament we don't do anymore. But that being said, if there's still some kind of morality there that I need to follow, I still need to think that that's pretty important. You know what the Bible says? That I am going to give an account of every idle word that I say. That means when I am in the bathroom talking to myself in the mirror, because I know no one ever does that. You know, by the way, you know, it's okay to do that as long as you don't talk back. I'm going to say that's fine. But that means every, every little minuscule word that you say, even, even just out of an idle nature, they just come out of your mouth. The Bible says you're still going to give an account for even those things. So that, that really shows me how important it is. Yes, I need to watch every area of my life, everything that I do. If God has given me a direction, I am held accountable for following it. And, yeah, that's a pretty heavy thing to do. But, folks, that's what God has told us about it. So if God's going to teach it and God's going to put it in here, I, I need to obey it. I need to listen to it. And here's the interesting thing with that. We also see that God, he, he rewards accordingly. Because remember how he said, if you teach men not to obey this thing, then it's going to be something little. But if you make much of God's law, he's going to make much of you. God rewards you accordingly to those things. So let us never think that those things are different. Now, I, I do want to say this. I touched on it a minute ago. Any sin is enough for a person to be called a sinner. But let me ask you, do you think different sins carry with them different consequences? Yeah, I mean, they do. And, and what we're going to start doing here in the next little bit, and I hope we're not getting bogged down in Matthew. This is just it's good stuff. There's so much in here. The Bible talks about murder. And it says, okay, and Jesus talks about this one in a little bit in the same chapter. He says, if you murder someone, that's, that's the, what the law says. You've broken the law. But then it says, if you're angry with your brother, you have already murdered him in your heart. Why? Because that's where your heart goes. Typically, if someone gets mur you murder someone, it's a, it's a heart issue. That's where it started. Now, are both of those sins? Yes. Does one of those carry more consequences than the other? You better believe it. You know, one will get you put away for the rest of your life. And in fact, the Bible very much leans itself to capital punishment. So do I end up getting put away for life or possibly even put to death for being angry? No. But are they both sins? Absolutely. Th that's what we need to learn. Folks, never, never be surprised when you see that sin carries with it consequences. 
A lot of times people feel like, oh, okay, I just, I just broke God's law, but I can never expect any consequences from that. Yeah, absolutely they do. I was, I was having a conversation with a man the other day, and we were talking about um, rehabilitation or getting even forgiveness from sins. And I said, you know, a man can be forgiven of sin, but that doesn't mean that it, it doesn't still leave a scar. For example, let's say you got a guy who was a brilliant, brilliant accountant. Man, and he, he was just numbers are his thing. He looks at stuff. He figures it out. And then he ends up getting found guilty of embezzlement. And he's embezzled from his company millions upon millions of dollars. He ends up going to jail. He spends his time in jail and all that kind of stuff. How many of you, even after he has served his time, how many of you would make him the executor, executor of your retirement? Right? Did he pay off his time? Yeah. Did he pay his debts? Yep. Do you trust him? Probably have a hard time with that. Hey, let's, let's, let's hit this one home. Let's say you got a man who is found guilty of abusing children. Can he pay off his debt to society? Does God say that he is still loved? Yes. Because God forgave my sin. I believe God can forgive any sin. And while humanly it might be hard for us to understand that, the Bible says any, he can forgive. And by the way, he died for those children abusers as well. But let me ask you something. Say 15 years down the road, this guy has turned his life around. He has truly accepted Christ. And now he is wanting to do the very best he can to live the remainder of his life for the Lord. Would we ever let that man teach a Sunday school class? Now, is that being unkind? No. It's understanding that sins have consequences. And sins carry with them scars. A person can be forgiven, but that sin is still going to carry with it baggage. And folks, that's something we even find in the scripture. There are things that I can do right now as a pastor. If I sin and I commit these specific sins, they will disqualify me from ever standing in the pulpit again. Now, can God forgive me? Yeah. Will I ever pastor again? No. And by the way, that's, that's God's standards. So, so I don't ever want us to think that, okay, yeah, there's, th th this sin's not that big of a deal because the consequence isn't that big. That's not the way to think. Sin is sin, period. But yes, they sometimes do carry different consequences. So what's God saying? God's saying we make much of even the tiniest laws that are, he gives us. If God gives us a direction, I am held to it. Now, we got just a few minutes left, so bear with me. We're, now let's talk about these guys and being self-righteous. We're going to come full circle. First we said, what do I do with the details? I understand that God fulfilled the law. Man, he finished it. All the things the law needed, he done it for us. And now in his blood, we are found righteous before the law. Okay? And then we said, number two, how do I understand God's teachings? All right, God teaches me to do something. Whether I think it's big or small doesn't matter. It's God's teaching. I, I obey it. Number three. How, maybe I should ask it this way. Where should my righteous act righteousness actually be then? Where should it be? Verse number 30. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right. Man, that, that feels like such a tall order because remember how I said Jesus is down the middle? You've got one group of people that say, oh, man, those, those religious guys, they just, they just you know, uh, 
they actually follow the Bible. I don't feel like doing what the Bible says. And then you've got Jesus right down the middle where he said to be. Now you've got people that go even farther, and they're looking back and saying, even Jesus isn't good enough. He's not, he's not living up to our standards, which they did. So how am I supposed to be more righteous than even these guys? How does that work? This is what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is saying, those guys, they don't even have real righteousness to begin with. Their righteousness is self-righteousness. They are good in their own eyes. They are doing the things they want to do because they think it makes them look good. That's why they took the things that were in the Bible and said, oh, uh, we're going to walk this far, but I would never walk this far. You know what the Pharisees said? They would even used to pray out loud, Lord, I thank you that I am not like these other people are. And they would pray that, talking about, oh, look how good I am. Lord, I obey the law. I thank you for making me such a good person and not like all these other folks are. Boy, you talk about self-righteousness. Now, that's very blatant and it's very egregious and outspoken. But how often, how often do we think that way? Do, do we ever think ourselves, man, God just loves me so much and, man, that just, that just makes me feel good. And we allow ourselves to get puffed up because we live what's right and we do the way we're supposed to do. By the way, we should. I'm just saying, where's, where's our heart on it? So how, how do I set myself where I'm supposed to be then? And this is, this is our key. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Folks, what I want to tell you is this. Self-righteousness is not right righteousness. The right kind of righteousness is living like God. See what I'm saying? Don't do right because it makes you look good. Do right because you're a right kind of person. How did Jesus Christ do it? Well, he didn't put any extra things on the law that God never said. He didn't make it more difficult than what he had already said. In fact, Jesus humbled himself so much that he got down on the ground and started washing dirty, stinky feet. Right? But listen, you guys are married. You know what it's like when your husband pulls his shoes off? <laughs> that's, that's pretty gross. Okay, I, I know that because I, I am one. Now, you think about this. God in heaven already left his throne room in a city where the streets are paved with gold to come down here to earth to live amongst sinful people. And then he would make himself a, a servant of those sinful people and would pull their dirty sandals off and wash the dirt off their feet. And then he would even go to the cross as an innocent man and die for those people. Now let me ask you, was this real righteousness or was this real righteousness? And now we ask ourselves, which kind of righteousness do I have? Do, do I live self-righteously because, hey, it makes me feel good? It makes me feel good about myself. I want to live the life that I live, and I want people to feel good about me and think that I'm a good person. All right. When we do that, I can tell you the sinners of this world are going to say, man, look at you. You're, you're just all about yourself. And many times, people that are lost will see right through that facade, and now they've got something to point fingers at us for. And that's what I don't want. I want people to see the legitimacy of what's in our heart. 
I want our righteousness to come out of a heart for loving God. And when the love of God spills out of me, it causes me to do things and to love others and to do things for them because I love them. And it will cause me to want to serve them the way God served me and died for me. I'll, I'll leave you with this story. And I've told it before, but man, it's been a long time. So probably some of you have heard it, but probably some of you haven't. There was a, a man that I know who took a job. And when he took this job, he was very excited to work for this new company. It was a construction company. And this construction company, the guy that owned it, um, he professed himself to, to be a Christian. He's like, oh, man, I, man we, we love the Lord around here. We want to honor God and all the things that we do. And once a week, they would have a big business meeting with the superintendents and all that kind of stuff. And, and all the executives would come in. Uh, and they would sit around and talk about their budgets and all that sort of thing. But I remember this man was like, oh, you know, I, I love this because every time we go into that board meeting, we always have a word of prayer and we ask God to help us and to keep us safe. And, you know, we want the Lord to be the first in all we do. So for the first couple of months, the guy was excited to work there. But then three months passed, four months passed, five months passed. Then the same man come back to me several months later and he said this. He's like, I don't understand it. I have never worked for a more sleazy, underhanded cheat than that guy. Now, his words were saying one thing, and his actions were saying something else. This guy was using the name of Christ to make himself and his business look good. But his actions were contrary. And that's when we mess up and the world says, yeah, look at you guys. You put on a good act, don't you? And I wonder if sometimes they're not right. Because that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, man, look at you guys. You put on a good act, don't you? You do this. You put extra stuff on the law. You dress up right. You walk right. And you think that you're right. But your righteousness is your self-righteousness. And then Jesus looked at his people and he said, and he talked to his disciples and all his followers, except your righteousness is actually better than theirs, then you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Because your righteousness needs to be the right kind of righteousness. So ladies and gentlemen, today is one of those things where I really want us to stop and reflect. Where does our righteousness come from? Do we pride ourselves in saying, oh man, I do everything the Bible tells me to. Look how great I am. Or do we do what's right because Jesus Christ is in our heart and what's inside spills out of us? It's different. And I want to also present this to you. Folks, whether you're saved or whether you're not, you can draw something out of, this, out of this message. If you're here today and you're lost, and you're looking at the Bible, you're looking at the law, and you're thinking, man, there's no way I could ever obey all of those rules, I would say, you're absolutely right. You can't. Jesus did it for you. And that's what salvation is, is when you just call on the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm having faith that you can be the one that makes me righteous. As you fulfilled it, and Lord, I'm just going to jump on your back and let you carry me into heaven. That's what salvation is. You're putting your faith in him and that his blood wiped away your sin debt. If you've never done that, you can do that today. There can be a moment where you come to Jesus Christ in prayer. The Bible says that it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If your heart believes that and you confess Christ with your mouth, the Bible says it, he'll save you. Now, if you're a Christian, I'm just going to ask you this. Where, where, have your, where have your motives been lately? Is it the kind of thing where... Yeah, we like doing what the Bible says because that's a good thing for us to do, and it's 
It's self-centered. Or does our righteousness exceed that and come from a right place? Are we doing what's right just because it's right? Or it's all about me and just want it to be about me? It's an interesting reflection. But folks, that's what Jesus taught. Jesus said more things more things negative about the Pharisees than he did ever anything good because they had a real heart problem. And I don't want us to fall into that same trap. Here's what we're going to do. Folks, let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And let's let today be one of those messages of reflection. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to be so in love with the things of God. And I want us to have a heart relationship with God himself. Let us not just fall in love with doing church doing the law, and, and allowing these things to be all part of some big self-righteous scheme. No, I want us to fall in love with Jesus. And then when we fall in love with Jesus, we'll fall in love with others. And then we will be doing the righteous thing out of a righteous heart. Our God in heaven, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that this would be a time of reflection on what's going on in our own hearts. If there was someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, if they don't know they're on their way to heaven when they die, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Lord, for us as Christians, I pray that our hearts and our motives would be exactly where you would have us to be. May we not fall into that same trap of self-righteousness, but Lord, may we surrender everything to you and to live for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is going to be another one of those times where we say we have a moment where we invite you to spend time in prayer with the Lord. Perhaps the Lord's dealing with your heart about something. I don't know what it is. But as you examine your own heart over the next few minutes, I ask you, where has your righteousness been? Has your righteousness been that of what God would have you to be? Or is it all just self-centered actions all about us? Sometimes folks like to come around and kneel at the altar and pray, and that's just fine if you do. Likewise, I'll offer this. If you're here today and you don't know that you're on your way to heaven when you die, the Bible says that you can know. Man, it's my favorite thing in the world to show that message to others about how they can know. If at any time you want to come to me and say, Pastor, I'd just like you to show me, I'll just sit down, take a few minutes, and show you how you can know out of the scriptures whether you're on your way to heaven. And we can get that thing settled today. Our God in heaven, again, we want to ask you to help us. As the psalmist said, search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, I pray that you would search every one of us and see what's in our heart. I pray that you would search our motives. I pray that you would help us to see that our righteousness be in the right spot and that we would just live exactly as you did, loving you and loving others. God, I ask if there be anyone here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, give that person the, Lord, the spirit that they would need to want to call upon you. I pray that they would see their need of salvation. 
And Lord, I ask you to bless us now, too, in this next service here in a few minutes. Lord, I just ask that you would help us to better learn how we can be lights in this community. And above all, may we live to serve you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening so well this morning. Um, so here's what we'll do. We'll take, uh, again, about a 15, maybe a 20-minute break or so. I invite you to stick around for our next service. It's a little bit shorter one than, than this one usually is. But today we're going to have a lesson on how to be a witness. We, we studied Matthew 28, 19. We are commanded, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, man, how in the world do I do that? I'm going to give you some really neat tips today about how you can show a person how they can be saved and how you can present the gospel to others. I think it would be a very beneficial lesson. Anyway, folks, don't forget, um, if you plan on being here next week for the potluck, if you want to bring some kind of little side dish, there's a sign-up sheet right there in the back. And as, as always, guys, we love you. We're always here for you, and we're dismissed.